Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I have a question for you and I'm sorry if this offends. Please, please. So you're telling me the Von Trapp children have been without a mother for six years max, because that's how old Gretel is, right? Six? Okay, yeah. And during that time, they've forgotten music so thoroughly that they have to be retaught the concept of scales? You're telling me that that's what happened? <laughs> did you just watch The Sound of Music recently? No, but I did try to warm up my voice this morning in the shower by singing Do Re Mi. And I was like, wait a minute. Why does why does Maria need to teach the kids the scales? Like, come on. Liesl, you're, you're 16, going on 17. Like, See? you should... You you definitely could have taught your younger siblings music. <laughs> you have ruined the rest of my day because now <laughs> it's just going to be a tea, a drink with jam and bread. <laughs> oh, and I mean, like that is I actually have the entire soundtrack on my phone. So now I'm going to have to listen to it. Well, the, the part that really gets me is the part where they're like jumping. They're like, oh, notes. Do me, 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 so, so. It's like, so, you know oh, how la, to do la, this. Me, Ray, Ray. Yeah. Uh, la, Titi. Ti. It's like, you know this, guys. Like, Maria, you are wasting their time. Your music's, you're nunsplaining to them. Maybe her nunsplaining was really just reinfusing joy into music that they had lost. Nobody likes doing scales, Alyssa. That's not the joyful part. They love it when Maria's involved. That's true. She is She is a lot of fun. Um, anyway, now I'm sorry I ruined your day. I'm sorry. <laughs> this week, we're joined by Dana Schwartz and Michaela Watkins to tackle the following questions. How did Amazon executives accidentally help create a worker's hero? How do you adequately thank a senator who does the absolute bare minimum? What is cringe and why is it everywhere? 
And why is weed and watercolor paint such a magical combination? All this and more right now. Alyssa, it seems that the news this week would again indicate that evil is winning. It's at least taking center stage, if not winning. Evil is such a like. Evil is that person that shows up to the party and is like, I broke my ankle. You know, like there, it's like, but it's not on crutches. Yeah, histrionics, excuses, just attention grab, attention grabbing, joy sucking. Um, Yeah, I mean, this should be a happy week, right? We've got Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, who has enough support to be confirmed to the Supreme Court um, with the announcement that Senators Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and as last week we discussed, Susan Collins uh, announced that they would be supporting her nomination once she's put before the whole Senate for a vote. So that means that, you know, even the most Kirsten cinema of histrionics cannot derail this at this point. So, you know, that's good. That's good. good. Katanji Brown Jackson is going to be an excellent Supreme Court justice, and it's a, it's really exciting for a number of reasons. Um, but God, if if we can't just like if there are people who just want to come in and, and ruin things all the time, and and that's kind of Republicans on the judiciary. Mm-hmm. What is the, what's the latest in their sort of chest clutching? male emoting. In one of the more exhausting and stupid moves, all 11 Republicans on the Judiciary Committee voted against the nomination of Judge Jackson. Now, Aaron, that means they're like not voting her out of committee. That means like they wanted her to not even get a vote on the Senate floor. Now, this prompted Democrats to use a procedure that I personally didn't know existed to force the nomination out of a deadlock panel with a vote of the full Senate, which is why when this was all happening, I was personally confused. Like, uh, why is Mitt Romney saying this now? Like, why? Is, because they all actually had to vote. And she was voted 53 to 47. Mm-hmm. Yay. Just like, are we paying... We- we're paying these people, right? And they just, they're just wasting time left and right. I mean, it is like they have one job and it's to vote. And they're like, I don't know. They're like, not today. My arm we're, hurts. It's like not only to vote, but it's to like pass laws. Like they're not fucking pa- passing law. They're not people in this. I cannot emphasize enough how unproductive the Senate is. Like I cannot emphasize enough how unproductive they've been because of obstructionism on the Republican side of things and uh, histrionics among a couple Democrats. Like, imagine that you were that unproductive at at any other job. Not like, acceptable. Like, um, yeah, imagine if you were that. You Let's say that you worked in uh, an Amazon warehouse. Let's say. Let's say. And you just showed up and you were like, I'm not only going to not do my work, I'm going to keep everybody else from doing my work. I'm going to perform a ludicrous one-man performance in the middle of the warehouse. That nobody wants. That nobody wants. That doesn't benefit anybody. And distract everybody. Can we go back in time and give Josh Hawley enough attention or less attention when he was younger? Like, is there some way to go back and retroactively calibrate how much love and approval he should have received and correct that 
so that he doesn't grow into the person that he has become. It's true because, you know, the interesting thing about all of those people is that they're all trying to keep up with each other, right? It's like Josh is, it's like Ted Cruz is so crazy. So Josh has to be crazier and they all want to be crazy enough to get what Donald Trump's endorsement, but he's running for president. So what are they all doing this for? They all want to get on TV. They, they all want to get on TV and like, but they've got their own platform in Fox news. It's like they can go on whenever they want, (laughs) but they're basically competing with each other to be in the a block. That's see, that's the thing. It's like, Oh, you're right. If you know anybody who's like a a New York times writer, you know how they always get really excited when they're page a one or they're above the fold. They always, and look, I love Taylor Lawrence. I used to work with her, but I was like, you too, Taylor. You're going to post an Instagram picture when you're on page. I mean, fine. Well-earned. She's a great, she's a great reporter, but I was like, that's just the timesiest thing that those times writers do. (laughs) The Republican Senate analog of that is being in the A block of some dumbass Fox news show. Of Tuker? Tuker Carlson. Is that how they pronounce it? Carlson? I guess in, Carol- in Sweden it might Carlson, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Tuker is is the the big prize for them, and I and I don't understand what it is, and it's just it's all very tiresome. It's all very tiresome, and I was on Pod Save the other week with Tommy. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about opportunity costs, and it's like you know, people have a finite amount of time. It's possible to care about multiple things at once, obviously, but there is a finite amount of time and attention that people have. And when we have people who are elected officials giving their time and energy to stuff like, you know, accusing Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson of being like a Nazi supporter and a pedophile, pedophile, like that's what they're doing. They're not using their energy doing things that people need or want. Yeah, so, yeah, just, you know, something to keep in mind. There's a reason that we don't have um, paid family leave. There's a reason that we don't have universal health care. Not that Republicans would help us, but like, ugh, I'm rubbing my face in frustration. Okay, so, you know, speaking of Amazon, we alluded to this earlier. This happened on April 1st. So when I first saw this, I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> Not a joke. Amazon workers have voted to unionize in a Staten Island warehouse thanks to the work of Chris Smalls, a certifiable modern-day David who took on a modern-day Goliath and won. Um, Alyssa, what was your reaction when you saw that? Did you think that they had a shot? So it's interesting. After all that we have watched go on in Bessemer, uh, Alabama, with the unionization efforts, I was worried. I mean, it felt like it felt like they put so much effort into that, and they were so close, and they didn't. They weren't able to cross the finish line there. I was not optimistic, Erin, and shame on me for that. Shame on me because not only did they vote to unionize, it was like a pretty decent margin. It was like twenty six hundred to twenty one hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, And I just think that that is fucking great. And you want to know why? Hmm. Let me tell you why. Aside from the fact that, you know, I'm highly pro-union, is that, like, if there's one thing that we have learned over the past two years is that healthcare workers, nurses, transit employees, frontline workers, essential workers, and it turned out that so were Amazon workers. They were getting us what we needed when the supply chain just crapped the fuck out and we couldn't find anything. It was like on these folks to get us whatever we could. 
whether it be real masks, counterfeit masks in some instances, like the food we couldn't find, the paper products we couldn't find, the oximeters for our fingers, everything, so much of what I needed came from Amazon. And so I have just, I was so overjoyed to see that this was not a heinous April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a... Uh surprising to me too, because I found that what happened in Alabama to be very disappointing. But, mm-hmm. you know, reading more, and, I, and honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't following this as closely as I followed the Alabama story because I didn't like, I mean, this is just like a, a human weakness story from my end because I just didn't want to be disappointed again. I was just like, oh, yeah. I can't, I like, I can't watch. I'll look when it's over and then I'll read like whatever postmortems. But, you know, the thing that I have kind of, picked up on is that Amazon acted like the bad corporate guys in a Radiohead video, like cartoonishly, cartoonishly evil suit wearing, um, every man disparaging like assholes. And Christian Smalls is out here feeding people baked ziti, you know, and like talking to people and like, you know, having having a cookout and and making it clear that you know he he was fired for protesting poor right. treatment at his uh, warehouse, and he was making it clear to the people who were there that despite the fact that he had been fired, he cared about them. He cared about right. them in a way that Amazon failed to demonstrate care. And also in the process, Christian Smalls looks extremely cool. Like, so cool. I, ca- I cannot emphasize enough how cool he looks. So in the process of dismissing Christian Smalls and the union drive, Amazon not only made itself look even more bloodless and out of touch, they created a folk hero, essentially. Hands down. And, Red track suit and all. Yeah. And like, it was, uh, and he also had this, I wonder if he pre-wrote this Jab at, oh, at Jeff so good. Bezos. Say it. You do it. It's so good. He, I'm. I'm just. I'm going to paraphrase uh, because you should. Anyone listening should look up video of this being said. He basically said uh, when Jeff Bezos was going to space, we were here organizing a union, which is like really great. I'm glad. You know what? I we've been talking about how people should use the time that Jeff Bezos is in space to do stuff to Jeff Bezos. Um, like take his stuff. But this was probably a more productive and lawful use of their time <laughs> than, than like taking Jeff Bezos's house and being like, nope, it we live is, here, no. You know, it's one of these things. It's like the company is so rich. Jeff Bezos is so rich. Why do they act like it's some fucking existential threat to the company if they unionize? Like they're trying to scare, like their propaganda that they were using is supposed to make all of us be like, oh no, I'm not going to get my oximeter on Prime if I, if these guys unionize. It's like, it's, it's just so, it's so like hackneyed. I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's very uncool. I think it's really about like growth for shareholders. And I think something like, and and it's so, it affects such a tiny number of people who are trying to suck all the blood out of as many people below them on the economic strata as they can. It's like, like I said, the the least sympathetic people that I can picture in America. Um, Anyway, good for them. I mean, look, we said, we said evil was having a big week and it, and it truly is. Um, 
One more thing, Ukraine. Yeah. We're going to put some stuff in the show notes about um, how to continue to um, help people who are over there. Yep. We are aware of what's happening over there, but right. Pod Save the World does a great job of breaking that down. Uh, before we take a break, uh, there's some fuckery afoot in the American South. Once again. It just keeps getting better. Oklahoma passed a total abortion ban on Tuesday, I believe, and Governor Kevin Stitt has promised during his time uh, in the governor's mansion he would sign any anti-abortion law. Uh, Oklahoma, of course, has been seeing an influx of patients seeking abortion care since Texas passed their root and tootin' abortion ban last year, and the Supreme Court failed to intervene. Um, And so now Oklahoma is trying to make it terrible for women as well. But let's not sleep on Alabama. A a jewel in the crown. First in the alphabet, last in everything else. Uh, A new Alabama bill would require a negative pregnancy test for women to buy medical marijuana. From a doctor. From a doctor. A new bill from Alabama would require women from ages 25 to 50. 50. To produce a negative pregnancy test from a doctor or medical lab before purchasing medical marijuana. The test needs to have been conducted within 48 hours of the purchase. Uh, it passed out of a committee, seven to two, and it uh, is the brainchild of an actual OBGYN. Larry Stutz. Senator Larry Stutz. Here's my question. And, I, you know, again, paranoid tinfoil hat wearer here. Mm-hmm. Does Larry Stutz own any shares, stock in medical testing companies? You know, I was wondering the same. I was wondering the same because he's literally requiring women to go to a doctor, take a doctor's visit. There's that copay. Get a test, which like, imagine, I mean, Aaron, let me just put a fine point on it. If I went to my doctor at age 46 and was like, hey, can you give me a pregnancy test? They're going to be like, oh, girl, come on now. It's like, no, you have to so I can buy weed. Like, what? I mean, it's just... Can we have anything? Can women have anything? Not in Alabama. Yeah. Not in Alabama. Um, also, like, you know, what about women who don't have sex with men? What about women who have had hysterectomies? Like, really? There we're talking. There are a lot of problems with this bill. Like, you're not allowed to get it if you're a breastfeeding mom. How exactly do I prove that I'm not? I don't know. I guess maybe they squeeze your tits, and if any milk comes out, you're not allowed to have weed. I don't know. It's so very it's, crude, <laughs> very crude. But like, what the fuck? What the what the actual fuck? Like, here's here's the reason I asked the question about Senator Larry Stutz, uh, which was based on nothing but my low expectations of Republicans. In Florida, mm. back when Rick Scott was the governor, they passed a law that required uh, welfare recipients or state uh, a SNAP, I think oh, it was SNAP right. recipients, to yep. have a negative drug test in order to receive benefits. Now, you know, who else receives government benefits technically are, you know, is the governor. The governor is being paid by taxpayers. They are recipients of government benefits. Elected officials are always magically exempt from these drug testing requirement laws. But anyway, it turned out that a a member of Rick Scott's immediate family had a compelling interest in medical labs. And the Mm. actual, uh, the law itself didn't save the state any money. In in fact, it, it cost the state money 
which went to the cost of testing. So, like, it was all kind of a a cash grab. It's funny how that works. A cash grab that kind of masqueraded as a moral panic. Uh, And we, you know what? There are people who are going to fall for those over and over again. People who are always going to be like, yeah, you know what? We should be blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's never about morals. It's always about cash. It's always about money. Well, also not for nothing, but about this stupid Alabama law. It's like, do you have to prove, like, it's, it goes to the point that like, well, do men have to have vasectomies before they go in? Yeah, men, you know what? Honestly, you know, smoking marijuana, it lowers your sperm count. And uh, I think that men should have to get a signed permission slip from their wife or girlfriend yeah. before point. they are, um, before they're able to get medical marijuana because they need to prove within 48 hours uh, that they're not trying to have a kid or trying to conceive because mm-hmm. the medical marijuana could, you know, prevent conception by lowering sperm counts. Just throwing that one out there. I think more people should be on medical marijuana. I agree that it's like not safe for a pregnant person to use marijuana, but also like, can we just like trust pregnant people to make the right Right. decisions for themselves? Like, Like can we just trust? I mean, like that's probably what's going to come next is like people aren't allowed to purchase like wine if they're pregnant. It's gross. It's all so gross. What are we going to do about this? I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, the reason that this is all going on is because Alabama just legalized medical marijuana with a lot of hoops for people to jump through before they're able to obtain it. Yeah. Um, And the legalization bill was signed by Governor Kay Ivey back in May 2021, but there's no dispensaries currently open in the state. So... um, it's it's sort of a solution in search of a problem and it's it's weird and it's weird and gross and creepy to be frank. You know, Aaron, I think that you have just summarized a large part of the GOP plan. It's just all solutions in search of actual problems. Right. It's like constructing this imaginary pregnant woman who's like, "You know what? I'm going to get my fetus high." <laughs> Skulking into the medical marijuana dispensary just very very like very sneakily toking with a with a a handbag in front of her belly. Yeah, it's uh you know what if you care if you care that much about harmful things that happen to pregnant people deal with pollution, deal with air pollution, dude. Like it is so much more harmful for a pregnant person to drink water that is contaminated, to breathe air that is contaminated over the course of their entire pregnancy than it is for them to be exposed to secondhand pot smoke or whatever. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like I'm not, again, I'm not endorsing people using marijuana while they're pregnant. I completely quit that cold Turkey the second I was even trying to have a kid. Also, I don't really think it's necessary to make laws requiring people to prove that they're not pregnant before they purchase marijuana. Anything. I think that it's, I think it's necessary to make laws like that help us manage pollution, which cause a lot more birth defects and long-term problems than fucking pot. But anyway, I'm on a soapbox. Uh, I'm on a soapbox. Uh, okay. We have a quick toast before we take a break. Toast in Colorado. Once again, climbing up the rankings of the state. A beautiful state full of good people. 
good people. I think people from Colorado want us to shut up about Colorado being great because people keep moving there and it's getting more expensive. But you know what? Too bad. It's your fault for making your state awesome. Uh, the right to abortion in Colorado is now guaranteed under state law. Yes. It, uh, the state now enshrines the right to have an abortion. It's called the Reproductive Health Equity Act, which affirms that pregnant people in Colorado have the right to continue a pregnancy and give birth or have an abortion. And it blocks all public entities from denying or restricting that right. Colorado is now one of 16 states in Washington, D.C. in codifying the right to have an abortion either prior to a fetus's viability or throughout a pregnancy in state law. So thank you, Colorado. Thank you, you, Colorado. Oh, and then real quick before we take a break, I guess we're going to trust Murkowski and, and Romney. Because we trusted yeah. Susan Collins. I mean, thank yeah. you for, for doing the bare minimum. I will send Mitt Romney a lukewarm cup of decaf coffee. I would send him some daisies. Okay. Oh, daisies are great, though. Yeah, I know, but they're not they're not too over the top, you know? That's it's true. It's like a token. It's a token. I'm, I'm to- saying token thank you because... I mean, look, the Senate, here's the thing. The Senate is such a crapshoot. We've got we've got some folks in the Democratic Party that we can't totally rely on. So I am grateful that it did not come down to the wire, that it wasn't 5149 or whatever. Judge Jackson deserves uh a little bit of a little bit of 5347 action. Definitely. She definitely does. Um, I'm gonna send Lisa Murkowski an edible arrangement. I think, yeah, I'll send her an edible arrangement that is mostly cantaloupe. That's fine. That's fine. Not chocolate covered, mostly cantaloupe, but totally fine. Because you know why I also give her more credit than Susan Collins? A lot less hand-wringing involved with Lisa. You know what I mean? She's not always fucking running to the MSNBC camera trying to not love MSNBC and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know. And instead (laughs) she just comes out and says her thing. You know what I mean? She just fucking says her piece. And that I give the, that's why I give, uh, Credit to Mitt Romney as well, though Caroline did remind me of his dinner with Donald Trump to be Secretary of State. Yeah. The one dinner that needed more alcohol that had no alcohol, <laughs> like present. Oh my God. Nobody there was drunk enough. I'm not saying I'd vote for any of these people, but Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney, I, I, I just trust they spent they spend less time in their frowning chambers than Susan does. Right. 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 Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Thanks for doing the bare minimum, guys. Thank you for jumping over the lowest bar imaginable. <laughs> OK, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we've got personal political. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. And welcome back. You are listening to Hysteria. Alyssa is still with me. Alyssa, what's something that automatically makes you cringe? Um, Something that automatically makes me cringe is um, politicians singing for the most part. 
Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, people who are not the poet reading a poem is a thing that makes me It's a cringe. good one, too. Yeah. Like um, like Amanda Gorman reading at the inauguration, not cringe. Thought she was great. No. But Nancy Pelosi reading a poem by Bono, extreme cringe. cringe. Can I dive in and actually combine those two and say maybe the most cringe is anyone reading lyrics like a poem? <gasps> Ooh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Hamilton lyric. I think Hamilton now has for some not not t- entirely through its own fault. I think it's just been a victim of its own success. But like Hamilton lyrics being read is like auto cringe. I believe. And Dana, that's a really good point. And you just heard the voice of Dana Schwartz, New York Times bestselling author of Anatomy, A Love Story. That is so cool. It must be cool to hear that every time you're like announced places. I know. I'm actually, I'm going to put it on the wedding invitations. At the <laughs> like, Mr. and Mrs. Michael Schwartz invite you to the wedding of their daughter. Number New one, York New York Times, Times bestselling <laughs> author. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Forever. That's totally fine. It's like, um, so uh, Tia and Tran, who isn't here today, her sister was on a show called Ghostwriter. And I guess when like her, you know, when they, when her sister was on the show, their dad put like, watch Ghostwriter on the, <laughs> on the side of their like conversion van or whatever, which is like one of my favorite Tian Tran family anecdotes. It's, it's really great. I wonder if he did the same thing with, um, with How I Met Your Father. I think that would be. Oh, I hope so. I hope it still says watch Ghost Rider and How I Met Your Father. <laughs> Ghost Rider's crossed out and now it just says How I Met Your Father because now Tien is the TV star operationally. Um, okay. Speaking of TV stars, you can watch her on the season finale of The Dropout, which is out now only on Hulu. It's Michaela Watkins. Michaela. Hello. Hello. I'm terrified looking at you right now. I am ter- absolutely terrified of you. I have the... Can you come into my office on a Friday afternoon feeling? <laughs> Don't you make me sign that NDA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't um, turn my grandfather against me. Um, <laughs> she will um, show up to your you. house and turn your grandfather against you. She, she, will, she is the lawyer who gets involved and you're like, I am in trouble. She's not my friend, but she's trying to convince me that she's my friend. Anyway, congrats on being terrifying, Michaela. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That is the highest compliment uh, I, I, you could possibly give me for that character. And um, I just wanted to add in really fast that my big, um, most cringy thing is when people tell me that they wrote something and they want to perform it just only for you and they look you in the eye and do it. And I <laughs> I'm want sorry. To die. That's I terrible. To die. I'm like, Does that happen to you? It's, it's, yes. I mean, you know, somebody's like, hey, I've been working on a new song. Can I just sing it for you right now? And I'm just like, please don't. Can I you go in the bathroom while you do it? No, no, not, Ooh. they don't write it for, they don't write it for me. They write it and they want me to um, experience it in its early form. And, and I'm like, I can't. Or, you know, even if, um, you know, like if there's a mariachi band that like comes up to your table, oh. I want to die. I want to die. Any, I mean, I, honestly, singing <laughs> happy birthday makes me want to die. I love a mariachi <laughs> band. I love a mariachi band, but I don't love making eye contact with a mariachi band no. or any live musician. Like an acapella yeah. singer, the the worst 
is when like one of the the male a cappella singers decides that you're the eye contact person and you're like, oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, because I'm not going to look back at you. I'm going to look at, at my hands. I got pulled up <laughs> on stage at a Vegas magician show, which was my own personal hell. Oh, no. What? what? So did you like cringe the whole time? Like, what did you? So they, sorry to like spoil the behind the curtains thing is like as the woman was like bringing me down, it was like, of course, like a male magician. And she was like, he's going to give you a card and he's going to ask you to, you know, put it somewhere and you should put it somewhere funny, like your bra. And I said ah! to the woman, I'm not going to do that. And I put it in my pocket. But like his stick was like, oh, I'm not going to touch you, like not going to sexually harass you. But it was like in my front pocket so he sort of had to do it to my hip when clearly he was supposed to do it to my boob oh oh <sighs> man i that's ugh, horrible i hate that magicians are almost certainly cringe uh the reason we keep talking about cringe is we're gonna t- <laughs> that's the topic i feel like cringe is has been having a moment for some time and i think maybe it's partly because there is nothing new under the sun and cringe humor is sort of gen z humor. And so that's kind of what is coming. It's like a, it's an echo of cringe Gen X humor. Like I'm an old millennial. Yeah. So I remember cringe Gen X humor. And now it's like kind of coming around full circle. But I feel like it's really having a, a moment both because of self-aware cringe, like in the show Michaela's in The Dropout, there are some moments that build to this incredible moment of cringe that the show is aware that it's bringing you to. Like, we have a clip of the show uh, that I, I just wanted to play because it is one of my favorite moments in TV in the last year. We got herpes! Picture Michaela dancing to this also. Um, Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes getting to the front of the room and announcing, we've got herpes. And everyone cheering. <laughs> well, you know what? That's so funny. I thought you were going to show the other when her, she's dancing to Lil Wayne. But um, when she's in her office oh, trying to be sexy. Uh, yeah. But I, um, okay. Yes. The too legit to quit moment. It's funny that you pick that because- when I was offered the part, I was like, do I want to play a lawyer, schmoyer? Like, I don't know. I've done it a lot. What is, what, what, only if I can, only will I interrupt my road trip and go shoot this if I can think of something interesting that I can bring to it. I watched the documentary of um, Elizabeth Holmes and in the background, I'm playing a fictional character. I'm sort of an amalgam of all the lawyers at Theranos. But when I was watching the documentary, <laughs> They were doing, they would have these little like, you know, moments in the, in the uh, bullpen where they would have these big celebrations, like corporate celebrations. And they were so cringy and awkward and horrible. And in the background, I see this white woman <laughs> with her arms in the air dancing to, I, I think it was like pump of the value. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was too legit to quit. And I just was like, Ding! That's my character. I just picked this woman out of the crowd and I was like, there she is. That's who she is. She's someone who's just like full in drinking the corporate Kool-Aid and she is, um, can't believe she's on the winning team. <laughs> she's wearing a vest. 
She's wearing like a. She's wearing. Every, everyone <laughs> is wearing like a, a Silicon Valley fleece vest. I think that like what's mm-hmm. really incredible about that moment in a few moments. First of all, like you're incredible in the show, Michaela. Um, like I said, thank you so much. Scary, funny, just great. Um, <laughs> you you are HR. You are like the lawyer that HR brings in to like. Yeah. <laughs> to like make me scared. Um, they make you think that they're your lawyer, but they're not. They're the company's no, lawyer. They're all, it's always the company's lawyer. That's so funny. I That makes me so happy because some of the Hulu execs said that they had like PTSD watching her because they were like, <laughs> that's, that's what the lawyers are like. That yeah. is. And I was so happy that <laughs> that was coming across. What was happening in my mind was coming out. Yeah, it was but, it was oh, so well done. And also Amanda Seyfried like becomes Elizabeth Holmes. She's so Unbelievable. good. Believable. She's so Unbelievable. good. The dancing. The dancing. I mean, there's everything so good, but when she gets those shoulders up around her ears, kind yeah. of like she's channeling Cliff Huxtable, not Bill Cosby, but Cliff Huxtable. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a real, it's a real, it's it's a real joy to watch. Or cringe at, as it's, the case it, may be. She it's just a joyful, pops into it. It's like a joyful cringe because you know that like the show and the actors are in on the cringe. But I think right. that like mm-hmm. the true raw cringe where you have to stop watching it because it's like just too painful. But then you're going to like, you kind of like get yourself ready. You're like, no, I'm going to keep watching this clip. <clears throat> I think the true cringe is like kind of something that I've seen all over TikTok. I don't know how, mm-hmm. I mean, like on TikTok, there's a lot of, um, there's a couple accounts that pop up a lot on my For You page where it's like, there's this one woman who duets men doing the bare minimum and she just makes split screen <laughs> TikToks of her doing the exact motions of like guys who are like trying to be hot. And it'll be like a guy putting his phone down, making like eye contact with it, doing the peace sign and walking away. Um and it's incredible. And there's another guy who is like this big, hairy dude who duets like men who think they're hot, who are like, your girl's not your girl anymore if she did spring break in Florida without you or whatever, like <laughs> lick it, licking his like overly white teeth. And it's, it's so, uh, it's, it's so compelling, but like also it hurts. Like it takes something out of me to watch. And, you know, Dana, I'm sure I know <laughs> that you have a take on this. Like, what do you think cringe is? And like, why is it so everywhere right now? It's kind of cathartic in a way to like watch something that, you know, the same way people like watching horror movies to like feel scared in a controlled environment. Like I think cringe is just like a natural human emotion that we need like a pressure valve for at certain points. Um, I find it very hard to watch like unscripted cringe where it's not actors where it's like actually people in these embarrassing situations. Like I even find it really hard to watch. Like, you know, there's some videos about people talking to like real, like extreme QAnon people. And like, mm-hmm. I don't even get shade and Freud from that. Like that makes me so viscerally uncomfortable where it's like something like, I think the reason that we like all of these like scammer shows, or at least I do is like, I kind of already know where they're going to end. They have like the comfort of being contained units Mm-hmm. where it's like, if it happens in reality, it's out of your control. Anything could happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like Jordan Klepper interviewing QAnon is a great example of like cringe. He's such a, he's, he's such a like ringmaster of 
cringe yeah. and he's able to kind of bring it around and give it a political point. One thing I've noticed about this latest like iteration of cringe is that there's like a there's like an upending of hierarchy involved in it. Like the reason that the dropout scene is so interesting is like you're watching a billionaire scammer who ended up falling from her position of unearned like, you know, elevation who is mm-hmm. like so cringy. Like we want to laugh at these people because they're just like you know, millionaires who think they're on top of the world, but like, look at how big of fucking dorks they are, you know? And, (laughs) and like on TikTok, it's a lot of times the cringe duet content isn't like, look at this nerd pretending to, to, you know, do like a lightsaber battle in his garage, which is like early cringe. It's like, look at these hot influencers at a brunch place alone posing with their cameras. Like, look at how silly they look, you know? It's mm-hmm. like a different yeah. kind of cringe. Alyssa, do you notice, like, I don't know, have you seen a through line of, like, the cringe that was popular? I guess maybe, like, a Gen X era cringe and the cringe that we're seeing now. What era cringe? Gen X era cringe. <laughs> oh, Gen X. I think you said, I thought you said some word, and I was like, I, oh, God, I really don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> it's a je ne sais quoi, you know. I was like, a- maybe I am the cringe. Um, <laughs> no, do you know what it is? I feel like when I tried to think of cringe, like, you know, something Gen X-y, all I could think of was Andrea Zuckerman from 90210. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she was my, like, because she was always... Not in on the joke, right? And she was always trying to be something that she wasn't exactly. And it's like, she was the smart one. And instead of just like owning the smart one, she was like really trying to be Brandon's girlfriend. And you're like, girl, just because you're like the editor of the West Beverly High paper doesn't mean that you're, you're, that's, that that's what you should be doing. Don't do that. You're better than that. That was like my memory of cringe. It was very Andrea Zuckerman focused. Donna Martin too, not exempt from cringe. Also a lot of cringe. The outfits were cringe. How she acted around David Silver was cringe. But like for the most part, it really focused on the Andrea Zuckerman for me. Huh. Interesting. The high watermark of television, like white woman cringe for me was, do you remember Allison Williams on Girls singing Stronger mm-hmm. at that party? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Allison Williams is a lot of cringe in that show. Like she, there are a lot of cringe moments uh, for Ugh. Marnie. We won't, we yeah. won't make it an Allison thing. Yes, you're right. No. It's not Allison Williams. Brilliant comedic actor. Because she was, again, always a little, she was always a little bit not in on the joke. Like she was being serious yeah. in what she was doing. When she's doing all of the singing with the boyfriend, right, in the yeah. coffee houses and stuff, you're like, oh, uh, girl. Uh, and she's so earnest, you know, and you're like, oh, stop it so much. Yeah, it feels like when people are feeling themselves, that equals yeah. cringe. Like you're not allowed to feel yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, Exactly. Well, there's like a, it's sort of like the uncanny valley, right? Like you, you have to, it's, or like jumping across a, (laughs) jumping across a canyon on a motorcycle. Like you, (laughs) if you're feeling yourself, you better be like, have Beyonce power to get all the way across because otherwise (laughs) you land in, in cringe canyon and you're going (laughs) to. And there you will meet Andrea Zuckerman. Yes. Yeah. And like. I was also thinking about like cringe comedy and how popular it is in in ads right now. And there's so many ads mm. that seem like echoes of old like Tim and Eric vibes, kind of, or like mm-hmm. you know Eric Andre, any any comedian with the name Eric in the name. Um, <laughs> no, but like you know T- Tim and Eric, Eric Andre, Kate Berlant, John Early. Like there's this sort of um, 
performance of and who Meg Stalter is another one person God. who plays plays in Cringe. Brilliant. Um, I'm I'm a new fan of her, and she's outstanding. Oh, we are trying to get her on the show, but like she's so. <sighs> Everybody wants her now. So, Meg, if you're out there. I thought she was doing a serious bit until she talked about trying to murder her husband. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. But she was talking about how beautiful uh, the kindergarten teacher said her daughter was and how she was, like, (laughs) weird. And then said, I see where she gets it from. And so she wanted to pay it forward and stop trying to kill her husband. Instead, she wants to get back together with him. And it's just the funniest journey in this thing. And it took me like two minutes in to realize this was not a pukey woman. This is not a cringy woman. This is an actual bit. And uh-huh. I, I love her. Huge yeah. Fan. She's she's so, so funny. You know who else, you know what also plays in cringe really effectively? Mm-hmm. You talking about someone you admire reminded me of how you have worked with Maya Erskine, who mm-hmm. is like so great at cringe on pen 15 Mm -hmm. is one of the cringiest the cringiest like i can't i almost can't watch it it's so cringy like it's painful the episode where they think they're witches oh oh i haven't seen that one but i watched uh, like a standalone of when they go um to florida to like uh with her dad with her and and with single dad and it's just so for his conference and everything about it you're just waiting for something so terrible to happen but the whole thing is just terrible i mean it, i mean terrible great yeah I, it was it hits so close to home of like what that pukey pubescent era is where everything just feels so intense and so important and you're you're so narcissistic in all of your feelings about everything mm-hmm. That maybe is a key ingredient in cringe, the sort of like there, but for the grace of God, go I, like that you see a part of yourself that you're embarrassed of in it. Like I feel like between Pen15 and like the movie Eighth Grade, which is another like cringe middle school comedy, it's cringy because Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that was definitely me. And I definitely thought I was really cool at the time. Yeah. Yes. It definitely stems from our own insecurities. That's for sure. And I think that it really sates that part of you that thinks, okay, thank God they're doing it and not me, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think what, when you talk about early comedy, Erin, it reminds me of just sort of like, is my job as a sketch comedian over? Because that's all sketch comedy was, right? Is we would find this, like, I would... Every single character I did was a cringe character. Every single mm-hmm. one. It was the girl who was like, hey, can I show you something on the piano? And then it keeps <laughs> fucking up and is like, wait, hold on. Wait, stop. Wait, hold on. Sorry, wait, sorry, wait, sorry, wait. You know, and and just sort of moving over somebody who's very proficient at piano to be like, can I just show you something? Can I just really fast? Can I just really show you something? Can I just really fast? <laughs> Or like the big sister at a YMCA who just accuses like her the girl of taking her wallet, but then she finds it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like watching cringe is to me like, you know, it's it's close to home, but it's also like, oh, I thought nobody knew about that. <laughs> oh no, like people people know that like when, you know, I you know, when you're 13, you walk past the gas station, hoping that the like teenage clerk who you think is cute will notice you. <laughs> In mine, it was a true value hardware store, but yes. Right, right. Like your entire day revolves around this walk in front of the gas station and it is your day builds up to it. And for me, I also would like do flips in my front yard and think, what if? <laughs> yes. 
what if a gymnastics person sees me doing handsprings and is like, you're in the Olympics. (laughs) I lived on a dirt road, guys. I thought you were going a different way with, I thought you were going a different way with that story. And I was going to confess to, um, always trying to pull my shoulder, my shirt down over my shoulder to show my shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Oh, when yeah. you're like little and trying to be like sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except when you're older, you have t-shirts on underneath your turtleneck. So it doesn't even work. <laughs> I think that's sexy. I thought I would get discovered at the mall. Like I had always heard about girls who were models getting discovered at the mall. So every time <laughs> I went to the mall, I would just like try to dress really cute. <laughs> that's pretty good it was such predators at the mall too like i'd love to sign sign you up for some modeling lessons and right like me oh my god oh my gosh thank you so um, much i i guess and then you're like tell your friend don't tell anybody tell everybody <laughs> i was asked to do modeling lessons at the mall um no i i was gonna say when you put on the evita soundtrack and dance around your living room and you have no idea what the show is actually about but in your mind you're like this is probably what it's about <laughs> and you choreograph it in the way in the manner in which you are the star of evita. anybody else <laughs> oh no Michaela, no. mine is more like i went on a really hard hike and i just decided to sing shallow like i was lady gaga all by myself out loud like at, at volume 50 out oh, of 10. That's recent. That's, oh, this is a recent thing. Yeah, I'm not yeah. fucking playing around. I'm I'm here oh, to be geez. I'm here to tell my truth. Well, but you did it alone on a hike. So you knew like Hey, these you, animals remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Caroline made an interesting note in our outline and I want to talk about this briefly. Um is being cringe ever cool and is Taylor Swift kind of like triumphant cringe? She is absolutely trying. I love Taylor Swift. Right? Like, she over-earnestly wears her heart on her sleeve. She is, and and you know what? It's why people love her. Because Mm -hmm. while she is so cool, she's not, you know she's not that cool. Also has three cats, just like me. But um, (laughs) she's a cat lady. She's a bit Mm -hmm. of a weirdo, you know? Mm -hmm. And she's Mm -hmm. thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seems like genuine earnestness opposed to self-aware earnestness. If that makes right. sense. Like a, like a rehearsed yes. anecdote yes. told on a late night show. Like it's somebody who's just like, um, I don't know any other way to be except this opposed to the girl who's like, Hey, Hey guys, Hey, 500 followers. So the time has come where I have a new single and this is from my heart and this is going to be a song that just makes me feel, you know, where you're just like, shut the fuck up. Right. And whereas with 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 uh, Taylor, you're sort of like, she doesn't have another gear. <laughs> right. That is right. It, you know? Yeah. She's a door. Like, she's an embarrassing person. She's not like putting something out there that is. Yeah. Her. I think that's super interesting. I, I think my, something I've noticed that is like almost top to bottom cringe. And I'm, and I realize the irony of somebody who like plays in the political sandbox saying this, politicians are almost 100% cringe. Po- like 100. They are Even the so, cool ones. Yeah. Not I Bernie. Mean, Bernie's not cringe. Bernie's he's not cringe because he's so weird. Right. He's like Taylor. He's like Taylor he's Swift. He's Taylor Swift. He's fully aware yes. of who he is and he's just doing it <laughs> and you just have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Bernie is like not cringe because Bernie is, is like a grouchy old man who cannot, he yeah. doesn't ever seem like he's trying to. No. Do you know what, Aaron, do you know what the peak politician cringe is? What? When they try to be funny at a debate. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. No joke has ever landed. And it's just cringe. I, I, you know, I, somebody who I think um, during debates, I was like, oh my gosh, she is more powerful than I ever imagined. Uh, Senator Amy, Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Knew where she that, I knew where you were going. Has a hundred, she is like uh, completely in touch with how other people see her and like plays with it. Like, and, Co- and completely yeah. agree. And that like yeah. inoculates her. To being, yeah, like cringe. didn't she eat her salad with a shoe or something? <laughs> a comb. <laughs> it was a comb. <laughs> Allegedly, I think when whenever I see politicians eat food that they're clearly not accustomed to eating, is the funniest, cringiest thing ever. And they act like here I am at my favorite down home taco joint, and you're like, you've never once eaten a taco, have you? They giada de Laurentis. <laughs> Oh yeah, Giada De Laurentiis overpronouncing things and like yes, sticking her teeth yes. out, biting it just ever so neatly, like you know. <laughs> Again, not cringe. Ina Garten just owns it. Yep. No, yeah, not cringe. Ina Garten is not cringe. Giada is cringe. She is cringe. Bernie Sanders not cringe. Um, Ted Cruz is a hundred pounds Only. of cringe I mean, in a he's fifty like pound disgusting. bag. Yeah, he's. He's so, he is just, he I mean, oozy. is there a Republican who's not cringe? Is there a single Republican well, like, who's what, not there's, cringe? There's like a difference. I'm not sure if they're cringe or they're just fucking terrible. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But like Kamala Harris, sometimes a little cringe. Yeah. Chuck Grassley, sometimes not cringe. Because yeah. he's such a weird old man that it's just like, oh, he just doesn't care. He doesn't know right. how, to, yeah. how to do anything but be a weird Iowan. And that's just what he is. But right. sometimes but, he is. But like, even God bless her, like AOC has mm, had a cringe She's moment. She's got a cringe her. moment. It's like the way you were talking about you having to jump over the canyon. I think the, the, the main purpose of cringe is like, or right now, I feel like Gen Z are looking at cringe as that sort of like polished girl boss aesthetic yeah. where it's like the only way to not be cringe is like not care mm-hmm. where it's like now the most cringe is like seeing the effort and seeing the strength oh. and someone really desperately trying mm-hmm. that yeah. resonates with me yeah 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 they got your number they got your number hard mm-hmm. if you're trying to be anything uh, you know above your station oh. if you're trying to do anything <laughs> where you're trying to come off smarter cooler funnier prettier or anything sexier, anything than you imagine that you yourself are, mm-hmm. they got your number. Right. The tagline for cringe is, oh, you think you're better than me? Cringe. <laughs> oh, oh, you think you're better than me? I mean, I think about, you see it in fashion too, like, mm-hmm. you know, Billie Eilish being a fashion icon and she's so like effortlessly cool. Um, yeah. Like she clearly puts work into how she looks, but it looks like she couldn't be anything but what she is. Um, but she doesn't act like she doesn't care or she's not offended by things. She doesn't right. act like she's she she's like that hurt my feelings. And I, I think they can just I think Gen Z can just smell an authenticity a mile away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Authenticity. That's it. I think it's definitely an authenticity. What's the cringiest thing that you do currently? Like, besides the things we've already admitted to, is there something that you're like, oh, I hate myself? Oh, I make TikToks. I went on TikTok to try to promote my book and like to try, you know, because I'm like, I wrote a young adult book and my little sister told me that no teens are on Twitter. And so I am on TikTok. I not recently, but like I was trying to make videos and there's no way there was no way for me to do that and not be humiliated. See, 
I just I saw those videos and I thought they were good. Yeah, I thought they were good too. Like they were like authentic. You know, you weren't trying to be cool. You were like, I'm doing this to promote my book. Hold on, my green dress. Yeah. There's like, but there's like so there's such a universe of cringe. It's almost like a race, you know, like the the top X percent is like the cringe content because like not everything can be cringe, you know, like it's mm-hmm. uh it's like running away from a bear. You know, you only have to be faster than the slowest person <laughs> to run away from a bear. And like to to not be cringe, you only have to have a certain number of people cringier than you, you know, like <laughs> um, like and here's the thing, like there's this kind of um, earnest. Uh, lecture about social justice thing that I, I'm like caught in in social justice lecture TikTok where it's like a person who is not a member of a group speaking out on behalf of a group that is not their group and telling other members of their own group to sh- to shut up and learn and it's like oh god I I can't I can't I can't it's so cringe and I'm sure I'm one of I I feel like maybe I feel a cringe when I watch it cuz I'm like oh god have I done this I've probably done this that's why it's resonating mm-hmm. with me um yeah but yeah anyway white women listen up <laughs> oh I hate god. that so much yeah, it's I'm, it's cringe. Yeah, white women are particularly, and I do sometimes wonder if this is another form of misogyny. But I do feel like white women are in a um, perpetual state of cringe, and <laughs> um, you know, I I I do wonder sometimes if it does lean into a, si- a silencing of white. Of, I, I I think if there's like other people in the conversation, yes, white women shut the fuck up. But I do feel like there are a lot of white men that sort of love yes. the uh, and relish the fact that white women are being told to shut up because mm-hmm. they've always wanted to tell white women to shut up as yes. well. So yeah. I do sometimes wonder if it does, you know, sort of lean into that sometimes. Obviously, white women do need to shut up. Mm-mm. Michaela, yeah, I, mean, I, I think feel that, like that. <laughs> I feel like that also has something to do with that effort, right? Where it's like for years, mm-hmm. women have been told to like that to exist in the world, you have to exert a certain amount of effort. You have to, you know, blow out mm-hmm. your hair and dress nice and wear your pantyhose. Like you have to like do what Cosmo magazine has told you to do for years. And now at like mm-hmm. you know twenty twenty two, it's like hot. Like that effort is is embarrassing in a way. Like I feel mm-hmm. like the. Yes. the social cues that women have gotten have just flipped within the last decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's layers on layers, right? Cause like those cues were also themselves like kind of shitty and like mm-hmm. made it so that like there was a specific ideal of how to look that was like thin with straight hair and light skin and blue eyes. Like, and so people were rewarded for putting forth the effort to look in a way that reinforced all of these things that were actually bad. But then when people like did those things, now they're being told that those things, that actually they're cringe. It's like, there's a lot going on for sure. Yeah, there is. And so I feel like if my horoscope said anything, it would just be like, don't say anything, just be quiet. (laughs) 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 Because even, you know, after the, the monumental slap. I don't know if you've heard about it at the Oscars, you know, it's just like that's the, that's peak cringe, right? When you look at Lupita's face, you're like, she's like sitting in a bucket of cringe right now. Yeah. She knows, she knows not, she's like, oh, could I drill a hole into the floor and climb into it? <laughs> right. Like a second. 
That's the thing about, that's one more thing. <laughs> we have to wrap up this cringe convo pretty quickly, but I just wanted to say, if you're seeing cringe live, you just want mm-hmm. to die. Like watching mm-hmm. a video of cringe, you you can kind of like, you can pause it. You can walk away. You can like, ugh. But if you're live yeah. and you're seeing like a breakup at the next table over, or if you're seeing mm-hmm. like a, a man get yelled at by his like partner in public and it, it's like, like you just you're just like oh my god I don't even want I don't want to get caught like listening to this but oh I can't look away um yeah yeah. cringe to bring it back around to the dropout I just there are so many cringe moments where there's like people dressed up in those like novelty party sumo costumes doing like that was like having wrestling matches in the background of like these billionaires having conversations about like the future of the company's litigation it's you can't see my face, but I got pulled into this scene where they, it was like a costume Halloween party and we we're all in a bouncy castle. Oh, we I all go running into the bouncy castle. I don't know if you can see that it's me, but I'm in, I don't even know what my costume is. It's like a wrapper or something like that. And I go, it's like super like 80s, like, uh, you know, tracksuit thing. And um, I am in the bouncy castle and we're trying to shoot and I fell down. And when somebody's bouncing next to you really hard, you can't stand up. And I was laughing so hard because I couldn't get up on my feet that I wet my pants. And and on top of that, one of the other characters is screaming. I think it was Sam, maybe, who's screaming at me like, stand up, stand up, just to like really razz me. And I just... Somebody screaming stand up while Wait. bouncing and you can't stand up in a bouncy castle <laughs> as an adult was so absurd and upsetting to me that I laughed so hard I wet my pants. And, and the person can't... screaming at you is Jack McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So like to conclude this conversation, watch the dropout, which is actually about pee and not blood. Um and full because of cringe. Michaela pees. <laughs> In that show, which you do not see, but now you know. Now you know it's there. The last scene of the finale is like peak cringe. So oh, enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick break for everybody to just like cringe privately. And we come back, uh, Sanity Corner. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Before we get to Sanity Corner, a little bit of housekeeping this week. I could not be happier that this podcast is a part of the Crooked family now. I mean, hysteria fave and fan fave, Melissa Murray. 
Yes, we need it now more than ever. So you could check out the latest episodes of Crooked's newest podcast, Strict Scrutiny, to catch up on Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation hearings. Each week, law professors Leah Littman, Kate Shaw, and Melissa Murray use their experience to provide understanding to the inner workings of the Supreme Court's decisions, culture, and personalities. Listen to the latest episode where Leah, Kate, and Melissa recap some of the best, worst, and weirdest moments throughout the four days of the hearings. I'm so glad that they sat through. Me too, because you know, we always, I always disclaim this when we talk about SCOTUS here, that I feel like I have reading comprehension issues when I try to read opinions. So now I just listen to them. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good, that's a good shortcut. And it also <laughs> saves you the headache of having to listen to like Josh Hawley up there oh, yammering oh, about no. God knows what. Fuck that guy. New episodes of Strict Scrutiny drop every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the house has been kept. Let's get to Sanity Corner. We've gotten to the part of the show where instead of doing I Feel Petty this week, we're going to do Sanity Corner. We're going to talk about things that are helping us feel a little bit more like human beings in a world that sucks a lot of times. Uh, Sanity Corner. Alyssa, what is your Sanity Corner this week? You guys, so first, as we have been discussing, there's a lot of good television on right now. And so whether it's the dropout, I have been I've been enjoying We Crashed. I think that's actually pretty, pretty true to my personal experience with We Work. Oh, good. I wanted I wanted to know if I should watch it. It is. It is. okay. so honestly, Anne Hathaway is it's genius. She's genius. I mean, it is. What is she doing with herself? Why is she like just more and more resplendent every year? I don't know. But she's so fucking good as Rebecca uh, Paltrow-Newman. It's the perfect use of Anne Hathaway. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. She's like, she's, she is wonderful. And it's just like highly entertaining. You throw a little Abbott Elementary into the mix. And so what I do is I watch all of my episodes when they drop and I enjoy them. And then I watch them back to back as I try to like, so right now I'm working on making, um, what's it called? Pane de Pasqua, which is Italian Easter egg bread. You know when you see like the braided <gasps> breads with the uh-huh. Easter, the colored Easter eggs in them? So it's yeah. actually, everyone says it's easy. It's actually kind of hard. And the first few have really fucking been bad. Anything involving braids is when it's like, mm, that's not easy. Yeah. It's a mess. And it's like, I'm not cooking it for the right times. So it hasn't come out right. But it doesn't matter because I put all my shows on that I've already watched and I rewatch them while I do this. And for some reason in my little apron that Aaron sent me, I am just so at peace and I enjoy myself. And it's like, I don't look at my phone because guess what? My hands are sticky and dirty. And yeah. uh, I have found that it is, I had stopped you know, once sort of life opened back up, I had stopped with my baking and all that stuff. And this is like, it's not just the baking though. It's like the news can't be on. It has to be my shows. And I just laugh and enjoy. And I guffaw at, at, uh, at Michaela on, on the dropout, (laughs) chasing people around. Like, like, I don't even know. It's so good. So baking and, and cooking while you're watching TV is such a good way to not do the the second screen thing. It's such it a is. good. It's such a good idea. Get your hands disgusting. That's that's, ooh, that's my excitement. I mean, what a domestic goddess you are. But I'm not. I'm not. I. The thing is, I'm not cringe. I'm not posting my sourdough. No one has seen this shit on Instagram. Though, if one comes out nicely, people can recall this episode and be like, "Oh, Alyssa had been at this for like a month." <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's not. Let's like be honest about the effort we're putting in. Um, yeah. Uh, well, that that sounds like a lot of fun. And when it does turn out, I want pictures. So text. Them oh, to don't me worry. If you're not going to post worry. them. 
Um, so here's my sanity corner this week. Like I mentioned uh, before, I watched both the men's and women's NCAA basketball championships, two fun games, two, two, two great games. Um, my sanity corner this week is watching sports with a person who pays attention to the game, but doesn't really know what's going on and likes to talk about it during the game, um, especially if you're not personally invested in the outcome of said game. So like, I'm not a UNC fan. I wasn't a, a Kansas fan. Wasn't super invested. I just wanted to watch a good basketball game. I watched it with my mom, who was like spending half of the second quarter trying to figure out what a Tar Heel was and like <laughs> reading the Wikipedia article of what a Tar Heel was. So it was like- North can't... Carolina. Yeah, it was like, she's like, I believe it's a goat thing. It's a goat thing. No, it's a sheep thing. And she was just, it was just so entertaining. And it made me think that what I would really love is to have somebody with my mom's level of, she knows basketball really well, but she didn't know like the players on the teams and she didn't really care about either team. Having someone with my mom's knowledge base as a member of every commentary team on TV would be <laughs> that would be a joy. Just that amazing. would be a joy. Like oh, they have I, the they're doing the Mannings like commenting on football games or experimenting with like Peyton and Eli Manning talking about football and having guests and stuff. And like I want it, but having someone in the mix who's like, I only sort of know what's going on. I think that'd be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's me in golf. Commenting I on the color of their fully. uniforms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh well he, you know what? That young man, he looks he looks like he could be 15 years old. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's great information, Mom. That's great. He He's 18, maybe 19. He's a it's recent 15-year-old. The most wholesome way to watch a basketball game. Is have a mom involved or, yeah. or a dad who doesn't care about the outcome of the game. So uh, that's my Sanity Corner this week. Dana, what is keeping you sane this week? So this is sort of a reverse sanity corner. I've been making myself crazy with wedding planning because I feel like there's just a surplus of like wedding magazines and wedding books and wedding websites, each one with like hundreds of tips of things that you should slash shouldn't do. And, you know, every time you look at it, you're like, oh, here's another $4,000 I didn't even realize I needed to spend. So my sanity corner is just not do that. Don't look at wedding websites. You don't need to. There's no law because once you look at wedding websites, you think like, oh, I have to do this. And no, you don't. That's the, mm-hmm. the secret that people don't tell you. You don't have to do any of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You just think about the weddings, the best weddings you went to and what you liked about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, nobody is like, you know what, God, those... Uh, those party favors that they gave out, those tiny little bottles of sand with the name of the bride and groom those on it. Jordan almonds. Oh, yeah, it's the, like- na- the napkins, <laughs> the menu, like none of that freaking matters. But once you are in this ecosystem, you think it's the most important thing that your tablescape and your napkins matches, you know, the the tablecloth back at their hotel room. Like it does none of it matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be funny, though, if you had a guest that was, like, storming into the middle. I object! And then they hold up the 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 goodie bag that they were gifted when they arrived at the hotel next to the invitation. And they're like, these are different fonts. These people, these people are not prepared to start a life together. <laughs> Can't even fucking match fonts. Get them out of here. Uh, it's like in Indiana how you have to take a blood test to make sure that you're not marrying a relative. 
Yeah. There's some states oh, that have fuck. you have to take yeah. a blood test. There are some states where you have to take a blood test and like prove that you're not <laughs> you're not related by kin. blood. You're not kin. Yeah, you're not kin. Um <laughs> yeah. In California, it's can you match the fonts? So yeah. uh not not in Arizona though. You actually get penalized for matching fonts. So that's like <laughs> a, that's how we got around that requirement. Um Michaela, what is your sanity corner this week? So this might be a little controversial because depending on what state you're in and where you're listening to it, what's legal and what isn't. But, um, uh, okay, so I, you know, like everybody, have been having some anxiety. And I just went to, yeah, sure. And I went to Georgia and shot this movie there with all these, like, young folks. And they were awesome and they were so much fun. And the best night of my life happened there. And I'm trying to import it into my life here back in California, which is um, I I got a, t- a tiny bit hot, okay? Just like one quick little puff of a joint, guys, okay? Just a teeny tiny little, just the tip. <laughs> and then we painted, we did watercolor. Um, and then on top of that, we um, had a really colossally bad movie on in the background. In this case, it was a a wonderful film, which I highly recommend, called Deep Water. And it stars Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck. And they are um, quite good actors who are in a terrible, terrible script. And they are (laughs) held hostage by it. And we, the audience, are um, willing accomplices of this hostage situation. And we just painted and made fun of a movie and and it was the most happy I think I've ever been in my life. So what I've done is I um in my town at at this art store they had these beautiful kind of cool paintings where they it's a kit where it's like a paint by numbers thing and you can just do what I did, which is, you know, we were just doing watercolors and we were all just making, you know, crazy paintings that were all very special. But I just thought how, since I'm a little goal oriented and I like my time to be productive, you can do like a beautiful painting that's like a paint by numbers if you're that kind of a brain, if you're that kind of like a left brain person and you're just like, I want to, you know, conceptualize something that's going to happen. And so I just, um, you know, I guess have a glass of white wine or red wine or a shot of scotch or something. And, or like I said, teeny tiny little puff of a joint and paint and you will be the happiest person you've ever been in your entire life. Hmm. I want to do it. I want to do it. You sold me. Uh, (laughs) Come over when you're in LA next and we will paint. I don't know if I can have, I can't have pot right now, but no, I can, I can imagine not. pot. And sometimes being around people who are high when you're not high, mm-hmm. if they're like in a real happy place, you get sort of a yeah. contact high, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, yes. it's just fun to be around someone who's had like a Yeah, to be up. honest with you, I don't even know how high I was. I just was happy. And I think I associate that with being high, but I I was just really happy. It was like community and like art. And uh, we were just laughing because this movie has so many, they're always at a party with the exact same people. It's like Bridgerton. (laughs) It's like they're constantly going to balls, except it's in the Hamptons or something. Oh God, Josh, (laughs) Josh saw that movie and he was like, 
talking about how it it was one of those movies that seemed like it was written by a person who'd never hung around human people before. <laughs> like, is this how they talk to each other? Like, I don't know how people talk. I just, this is, this sounds right or whatever. Yeah, I, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Ba- a, a bad movie and good people is like always a good combo for sure. Um, well, that's all the time we have. Dana and Michaela, thank you so much for stopping by this week. This was a really fun conversation. I always wish that we could spend more time together. Um, Alyssa, thank you as always for being my ride or die. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. Tell your friends. Leave us a rating. That's how people find out about the show. And thank you, listeners, for sticking around with us through all the possible moments of cringe that we <laughs> freely admit could or could not have happened. And uh, there will be more hysteria for you next week. I am from another planet. This nation is our Janet. But these girls got a fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no for an Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. 